The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray in his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash NFL. The PFF Podcast is brought to you by Lisa Mattress. Do you find yourself distracted, forgetting things, making mistakes at work? Sam. A quality night's sleep makes all the difference. The right mattress is the difference between resting and just laying down. The Lisa Mattress is the product of more than 30 years of experience in mattress engineering and hundreds of hours of testing. Comprised of three foam layers that provide cooling pressure relief, body contouring, and support, over 300,000 happy Lisa sleepers agree the Lisa Mattress gives them the rest that they need. Order your Lisa Mattress online at lisa.com slash pff with the promo code pff and try it risk-free for 100 nights. It ships direct to your door in a convenient box with free shipping and free returns. Find the right mattress for you at lisa.com slash pff and get the rest you need tonight. Get up to $160 off the Lisa mattress or $235 off the luxury Sapira mattress and free shipping on the Lisa mattress at lisa.com slash pff. Enter promo code pff at checkout. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash pff promo code pff. Also, special thanks to our friends over at Under Armour. Whether you're competing, training, or recovery, Under Armour has created the best performing gear to make you better. I love it because of the comfort. The performance is fantastic. Everything that you need, whether you're working out, sitting at home, grading PFF games, doesn't matter. Under Armour has you covered. And with two new exciting collections called Vanish and Perpetual, Under Armour is ready to help you focus on performance and take your fitness game to the next level. Vanish is engineered to be more breathable, so you feel lighter and less distracted. It's lightweight, quick-drying, won't cling or chafe, and stretches without absorbing sweat. That's important in my life. Perpetual, it's got a crazy amount of design and details to help you improve the way your body moves. Prints taping hugs and flexes for better alignment and muscle awareness. And now they also have the best fitness apps to help you track and learn how to put that gear to the test. Track your runs, log workouts, and tap into coaching with Under Armour's Map My Run, which you can sync with other devices like Garmin, Apple Watch, or even one of Under Armour's connected running shoes. And then you can track your diet with Under Armour's My Fitness Pal, the fastest, easiest-to-use calorie counter app where you set your calorie and nutrition goals and discover recipes and diet tips. And if you sign up for premium, you can unlock even more tools to help you achieve your fitness goals. So right now, download Under Armour's Map My Run and My Fitness Pal in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store and take control of your goals today. The PFF NFL Podcast is also brought to you by MyBookie. Sure, watching football is fun, but it's more entertaining when you have some action on the games. Guys, you've heard me talking about this for weeks, and some of you are still on the sidelines. Whether you're an expert or a rookie, you should be betting at MyBookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, like playing the numbers on roulette, you can create a big parlay. Pick three teams to win, and if you hit all three, you could turn $100 into 600 There's so much to bet on, whether it's playoff baseball, basketball, hockey, primetime fights, and more. But my bookie is the one bet I know you'll be happy with all year. I recommend these guys because I really trust them. My bookie has been in business for years. They've got great online reviews, and their mobile site is really easy to use. My bookie is offering a 100% bonus for the last time this year. That's right. Have you been thinking about making a pick all season, but you just haven't done it yet? Well, it's time to make your move. After Sunday's kickoff, you can kiss that bonus goodbye. 
Also, make sure to follow at BetMyBookie on Twitter or Instagram. They personally respond to every mention in DM, not to mention that they've given away nearly $10,000 in free money to their followers this football season. You'll be the first to know as soon as new odds and props are posted. Log on to MyBookie right now. Don't miss out on the last opportunity to collect the industry's biggest bonus. Use promo code PFF and you'll get your first deposit matched 100%. That's promo code PFF. You play, you win, you get paid. Welcome into the PFF NFL podcast. Steve Palazzolo here with Sam Monson. Hello to our YouTube friends and, of course, the millions and millions of listeners who have downloaded the PFF NFL podcast. Welcome in. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Oh, you were welcoming the viewers, not me. Yes. Okay. We, we dealt with this last week. Remember, we're not just speaking to each other. No, right. Yeah, we did deal with that. What we haven't apparently dealt with is you pitching, just end, you just end a sentence and wait for me to start talking. I'm waiting for more of a, I've grown accustomed to more of a, an efficient handoff. From a setup? You. Yeah. I'm going to set you up a little, a little bit little bit. A little bit. I thought we had a, a good enough chemistry that you just knew when to jump in. Well, I mean, I started talking, if that's what you mean. I'm just saying my entrance into this whole thing could have been smoother. All right. I'll try to set you up a little bit better. Thank you. Um, as we always do, we're going to hit every single game looking forward to week eight of the NFL. Uh, so we'll hit on all the big games. But as always, we have to start with the Thursday night game where most of you have already watched this game. And we're just going to try to predict the future here since we're recording on Thursday afternoon. Yeah. Predicting the future from the past. What happened last week? You, oh, you picked Case Keenum. Yeah. Redemption game. We, we, talked that, about that we call that a, you know, a tentative win. Yeah. So it's that was good turn. enough. Tonight's game. Miami Dolphins at the Houston Texans. My prediction for what you already saw. Well, for, yeah, for what's already happened. What's already happened is that Brock Osweiler imploded. Okay. All right, not physically. Oh, not okay. literally. Yeah. But uh, we've got a guy, Brock Osweiler, who had a pretty good game two weeks ago against the Chicago Bears, and then last week against the Detroit Lions. Graded pretty well. Stats were pretty good. There's no way he keeps that up. <laughs> he is not going to keep that up against the Red Hot okay. for... 4-0 in their last four games, Houston Texans. So I'm going to need some quantifying of just how badly Brock Osweiler imploded against the Texans. All right. Do we want some, we want some actual numbers? I, want some, I just want to you know, flesh out this picture for me a little bit. What exactly? Right, I haven't seen the game, Steve. I haven't seen the game. I wasn't watching last night. Brock finishes tell me what happened. 15 of 33 mm-hmm. for 142 yards. Ooh. Sneaks a touchdown in there. Okay. One TD. I'm writing down these numbers. Two interceptions. Yeah. So those are your raw numbers. The raw numbers are backed up by a PFF grade of 48.4. Okay. That's bad. Yeah. How's that? That's pretty ugly. So you guys let me know how we did. If you guys have PFF premium stats, PFF elite, you guys can check it out right now. Imagine if you nail it. That'd be amazing, right? <laughs> For anyone that doesn't know, Steve's actually freakishly good at just picking numbers out of his ass and nailing them. <laughs> like, I that ask is... him random questions in the office, you know, guess the passer rating of whatever, and he, you know, puts it to within a digit. Yeah, the level of frustration that you have. Right, it's really annoying. Get in there. Yeah, imagine if you actually did it this time. Let He'd look like a genius. The trick, though, is to kind of read the tone of how you ask the question. Mm. You know, because when you ask it, the so tone... Like a, like a mentalist kind of deal? Yeah. So, yeah. You, like, based off your tone, I could tell if it's really good, really I understand bad. getting it in the ballpark. It's how you actually manage to nail the number at times. It's frustrating. Well, thank you. We, uh, we all have our skills. Mine, of course, is not a marketable one. No. All right. So, that's what happened. Miami Dolphins at the Houston Texans. Um was an okay game. It was Thursday Night Football. That's what it was. Let's get into the big matchups from the week ahead. The marquee matchups. Let's start with the rematch of the NFC Divisional round last year. New Orleans Saints at the Minnesota Vikings. Sam, what are we looking for in this game? The rematch of the Minneapolis Miracle. Yes. Um, What's fascinating to me, so Chris Spielman is, I think, one of the more funny, not necessarily intentionally, but one of the funnier broadcasters that does games on a weekend and he was doing the vikings game last week and aside from confessing to the fact that his parents didn't feed him when he didn't make 10 tackles in a game which apparently is not the first time he's a lot. illustrated some of the uh, some of the rather um hmm, harsh should we say measures that his father would do to train him up um what he also said was kind of interesting which is i don't know that i disagree with it he said Teams now respect Adam Thielen, but they fear Stephon Diggs, 
which is why even though Thielen is the guy putting up all the numbers and has the great grade and is dominating, Diggs still draws the number one corner a lot of the time. Yeah. Like a team that tracks cornerbacks with wide receivers, they're putting that guy on Diggs, not Thielen. Now, some of that is that Thielen lines up in the slot a lot, and that gets him away from that tracking coverage a lot. Almost nobody tracks corners to the slot. Right. They'll track them left to right, but they won't move that guy into the slot because so few outside number one corners can play inside it's just a it's a very freakishly specific skill set that most people don't have that's kind of what made Rivas so good it's what makes Patrick Peterson so talented he can go inside most guys can't right so Thielen lines up inside a lot which does help getting him away from that but I think still there's a lot to that that teams are very respectful of Adam Thielen they'll you know show him the, the, the respect that he deserves as a really good player but Diggs is the guy that scares them. Diggs is the one that they know can make something ridiculous happen in the blink of an eye, such as, say, the Minneapolis miracle. No, I think that's fair. Um, we were in the office yesterday. You had actually missed this, I think. Zach Robinson was just watching a few plays with Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, and he was just very, very impressed with how well they just come back to the ball. And it's not just on... A lot of times you have the vertical stem route where you, you're, you need to work back to the quarterback, but they're talking like dig routes where on paper it's a straight line, right? You're, you make an in-cut and you run straight across the field essentially. And they do that, but when the ball's on the, on the way, they take it really tight. And it's a really good way to just keep the cornerback off of you and to give yourself a little bit of space to catch and run. And he showed three plays of Thielen doing it, of Diggs doing it, and Thielen even doing it on a shallow cross, which is really unique because it seems like you're losing ground, but it actually gave him space to catch, make a move, and actually pick up some yards after the catch. So subtleties that these guys bring to the table in route running, in understanding leverage, in working back to the quarterback, I think is what makes the uh, Dillon and Thiggs combination Thiggs and Thielen. so good. I'm pretty sure in that game, by the way, also they were calling him Dillon at times. Like, I thought I heard it once, and I was like, that's just, well, that's just in my brain from Steve screwing it up. But then they did it more than one time after that. They must be listening to the podcast. Obviously. Uh, other side of the ball, Drew Brees throwing the ball uh, pretty well. The number one graded quarterback per PFF going up against a Minnesota secondary that's been banged up. They've been up and down this year. and Xavier Rhodes hurt, freakishly nicked up his ankle and just falling to the ground. Um, Trey Waynes is back, though. Trey Waynes, I think, is actually weirdly important to that defense. Yeah. Because he isn't... Trey Waynes was this... It's almost... It's strange how your opinions on guys have to evolve over time, and sometimes it's hard to make that leap in your brain. So we spent so long in the pre-draft process saying, you know, cool the Jets on Trey Waynes. He just isn't worth a first-round pick. He's a guy that's got some skills, but there's a lot wrong. It's going to take some while, time to, to work its way out. And he's never going to be Darrell Rivas, Right. And so we were fighting that for so long that now you kind of have to get yourself to the point where he's become a decent starting corner. He will never become Darrell Rivas, but a decent starting corner is a valuable and important person in the defense. And when they don't have him and they have to go to guys, you know, undrafted rookies like Holton Hill or whatever, it's a major problem. So Trey Wayne's being back in the defense is a big thing, particularly if Xavier Rhodes is down and not playing. And he had a big week last week. Really right, big week though some week. of that was... Uh, so one of the Darnold's interceptions was... Some's Darnold. Hit the guy in the hand. Right? Yeah. So, on Trey Waynes. So it's... Yeah, right, right. It was a good game, but it didn't quite look as... It wasn't quite as ridiculous as the numbers suggested. The other thing I wrote down to just keep an eye on, the, the Saints, of course, traded for Eli Apple this yeah. week. So how quickly do they incorporate him? And, you know, that number two cornerback spot, we did a little YouTube video breaking down that trade this week and just said, look, Marshawn Lattimore, mediocre coverage grade so far this year. We expect that to go up. He's a very talented player, but the number two and number three cornerback spots in New Orleans in the 40s yeah. coverage grade wise. So that's uh, it's been a major issue. And Eli Apple should at least be able to upgrade that a little exactly. bit. Exactly. So, again, Eli Apple has been a disappointment as a first round pick, but he's better than a coverage grade in the 40s, which is what they currently that's the bar he currently has to clear to you know, be an upgrade for that same secondary. Creep back toward average in the secondary, just like you do on the offensive line. Uh, so did we take... Uh, I picked Minnesota in this, and you mm. were just laughing at me for it. Well, yeah. I mean, this is, this is classic Vikings, right? Why would you... You can't know. They, they got the Minneapolis miracle. They're not backing that up with a, a win against a, an NFC powerhouse coming into town. This is where they... They're still a they good team. fold in the Saints' role. It is Drew Brees in a dome, though. That should have skewed my analysis. Yeah. 
So you're taking New Orleans. I'm taking Minnesota. We're pretty much split. We are exactly split four and four Mm -hmm. over here at PFF. All right, Philadelphia Eagles at the Jacksonville Jaguars. This was supposed to be the game of the year. Yeah. Super Bowl preview and all that stuff, and both teams are... The London Wembley people were so happy. I know. This is the, the best game of the season on paper, and now they're both three and four, and it's happening at nine in the morning in Eastern time, and they're probably not as happy. No. Having said still that... Good, still good teams, Right, though. so we did this pitch this morning, right, for... For Sky, Sky TV in the UK, we were previewing this game. And okay, it doesn't look as good on paper as it did before, but there's still a lot of talent on these teams. Obviously, the Eagles are the reigning Super Bowl champions. The Jags went to the AFC Championship game, should have gone further, arguably. Most of the people on those teams are still there. The Eagles lost some guys, but they still have the majority of that squad is still intact. Um, Plus, Carson Wentz is back. The Jags, the majority of that squad is still intact. There's a lot of talent still taking the field at 9 a.m. Um, for this Wembley game. So, you know, and there's a lot of fascinating matchups as well. So the one I think that most intrigues me, other than the fact that Blake Bortles is starting again, which is, you know, oh, God. Oh, you wanted Cody Kessler. <sighs> I mean, we, it's just, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I refuse. I'm not doing the Bortles thing again. But uh, Yannick Ngakwe versus Jason Peters. Would have been a marquee matchup most of the time, right? But now Peters has torn his biceps, and he's playing injured, and he's playing like crap because he's injured, right? Right. So now it looks like a potential disastrous mismatch in favor of the Jags, in favor of Ngakwe, who's a really talented pass rusher. He's got moves. He's got speed to the outside. And Jason Peters is an all-pro player, but dealing with a guy with just one arm, which just you can't do that. I mean, no matter how good you are, you need both your arms. I'm no offensive line guru. You know, maybe the you're definitely not. Maybe offensive line Twitter can check me on this, but I'm pretty sure you're going to need both arms to be good. I am an offensive line guru. In yep. fact, I am a two-time keynote speaker at the Cool Clinic. Wow, that's the offensive line clinic, Sam. So yeah. I'm an expert on these things. Okay, and so I would can I'll you back, confirm that the, you need two arms to be good? Yeah, I'll back you up. I'll confirm two arms are better than one. At least well, one arm's longer blocking. than two. Yeah, that's what they say. Well. Yeah. One arm's longer than two. Mm. I used to get coached by a guy that would claim that if you can get one hand to it, you can get two. Yeah. Well, Which that's is just fundamentally not true. Of course it doesn't make sense. <laughs> anyway, that was his claim. You know, if you get one hand to it, like if you try to catch the ball one-handed, he's like, well, if you get one hand to it, you could get two. No. It's like, uh, I, I mean, I, I'm no, physics. again, I'm no anatomical genius, but I'm pretty sure that isn't incorrect, that it's not true. I can touch you with this hand. Not, not getting there. <laughs> not getting. So, you know. Yeah, definitely not getting People there. People say a lot of things that aren't true, Steve. That's, that's what I took what from I've that. what I've heard. It's what I've heard. Not here on the PFF NFL podcast, though. Only truth and facts. And uh, you've stated a fact a few weeks ago that Blake Bortles was bad. And yeah. It's looking more like you're right. Again, uh, let me just, the epiphany I had on the middle of the podcast on Monday, just like Matthew Stafford has three or four games that make, make him look elite, Bortles has three or four games a year that make him look competent viable but the overall body of work is just so inconsistent what's fascinating about this is they trotted out the same line that everybody uses when they do anything when it comes to the quarterback position which is player x gives us the best chance to win right so that was what they said Bortles is our starting quarterback he gives us the best chance to win or lose now whilst that is true the question i think needs to be who gives you the best chance to win x number of games in any one-off game, Blake Bortles probably gives you the best chance to win. He does, because he's had a lot of pretty good games. Because at his peak, he's a better player than Cody Kessler. The thing is, though, he's the roller coaster ride. So the question should be, we're 3-4 and four now. Who gives us the best chance to win 11 games and then go on a run through the Super Bowl? And that, I think, is Cody Kessler. Wow. Because he, he's less inclined to throw those games away. It's not that he's, he's a better player who's capable of winning the games. It's that with the defense you've got and the roster around him, he's less likely to screw it up. The counterpoint, though, is that maybe last year that was the case because the running game, which is an after, <laughs> the running game was better, more efficient. This, the defense was better than, it was, than it's been yeah. this year. So maybe you do need the guy that maybe he's going to throw a few away, but he's going to win you some too. I would just think if that's the case, they're already screwed. 
Probably. The defense needs to play better than it has. Right. The grades aren't as good. The production's not as good. If you're at the point where you need Blake Bortles to lead you to the promised land, you're not getting to the promised land. So, you know, you might as well at least try and fix everything else and give the guy that might be able to steer that ship. I believe Philadelphia is still a top 10 team in our power rankings, ELO rankings, essentially showing, yeah, they've lost some close ones. We expect that stuff to turn around a little bit, and they're still a very good team. They're still strong in a lot of the right places. They still have the number one pressure rate in football, and that makes a monster difference in every single game you're going to go into. We've said it before. The average passer rating drop from no pressure to pressure is like 30, 35 points. So the Eagles are getting more pressure than anybody else in the league, which means they are, in overall weight of numbers, big picture terms, making the quarterbacks they face worse better than any other team. It's right. just eventually that starts to pay off, and it's going to, to help them. So it's still a big game for both teams. We're all taking Philadelphia in this one. It's your Wembley game, 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. So we got another nice full day of football action, Sam. All right, we, do you have, a, you have a Dalton coaster of the week? Uh, yeah, Cam Newton. All right. Cam Newton. It's time right. for our Dalton coaster of the week. Who you have, Sam? Yeah, that's another seamless segment tee up. Um, yeah, I'm a professional host. You just you you've nailed this thing. Come on, right? do it. Uh, it's Cam Newton. Hey, Steve. wow, what a shock! Yeah, uh, Cam Newton has the second highest disparity between clean pocket play and under pressure play in the entire league. The only buddy with a higher disparity is Josh Allen, who you know is functional from a clean pocket. When the pocket isn't clean he's he's completing 20 percent of his passes he's so bad under pressure uh but they're facing the ravens who as we said before there are no good defenses in the league anymore but they have the best average defense maybe in the nfl at the moment so they can get pressure on quarterbacks the ravens will make life difficult for uh cam newton and the panthers and that's where i suspect you may end up getting I think you may end up getting a Dalton coaster within the same game. We're going to get some impressive Cam Newton play, and we're going to get some disaster. That is Cam Newton, though. Yeah. Even on the final drives, it was classic Cam Newton. He goes, game-winning drive, first and 10, overthrow. Second and 10, overthrow. Or maybe it was second and th- But then it was key conversion, under pressure, and he actually made a good play under pressure and moved the chains, and they ended up pulling it off. So Cam kind of remains the same guy still yeah. after all these years right. outside of one season. Yeah. It's, I, I'm continually amazed by this phenomenon that you can have one outlier season. Like, one game makes sense to me, right? Trust Anybody can play well for a day or a few hours. But Trust the, the fact that you can have an outlier season for 16, 17 weeks, and then it stops. Yep. Just, I, it'll never make sense to me. Meanwhile, Joe Flacco having the uh, best year of his career since 2014, best grade for a while. John Brown stretching the field a little bit more. Michael Crabtree playing a little bit better or at least adding just different weapons. They got all those tight ends that they're rotating in and out. So we kind of expected an uptick from the Ravens passing game coming into the year, and we've pretty much seen it. Well, John Brown is giving him a reason to underthrow the deep ball again. Yes, it's it's beautiful to watch. Um, I mean, it's really increasing. It's really it's galvanizing their, uh, their deep uh, pass interference game, which has been a, a staple of those Baltimore teams when they're at their best. So John Brown with his speed... Joe Flacco with his propensity to try and heave at 80 yards, even though he's only capable of heaving at 55. I mean, it's just, it's beautiful to watch. It is. Mm. I love how you, on the fumble you were like, yeah, he's, he's winding up to underthrow oh, the deep was. ball. It was so unfortunate. He so has this underthrown deep ball in sight, and then he just fumbled. He was winding up to underthrow a deep ball by like 15 yards. That's how late in the play it was. Um, uh, one of our YouTube commenters, because I do read it read our comments a little bit was uh lamenting how much we underrate the carolina panthers and i will continue to underrate them i I don't completely believe in them i don't believe in the ravens either something has to give i wish i was i wish i had enough in me to just predict a tie Uh this feels like a game that should be a tie you would screw up the entire matrix on that that uh picks sheet that we put up every week if you just said tie tie. yeah but my win-loss record would be the same yeah, I guess if you, when you get it wrong, you're fine. If you nailed it, though, we'd be in real trouble. If I got it right, that should count as two wins, <laughs> essentially. If, it, if you get it wrong, it's two losses. And then everybody else would miss out on one. It would be a mess. Yeah, it would be. But I would almost predict a tie. It turns out I ended up going with Carolina. I went with the, uh, with the home team on this one. Yeah, so did I. All right, so there you go. Let's fly through some of the rest of the games. Uh, Andy, the Dalton coaster. The I'm going Dalton with coaster. Andy Dalton. Yeah. On the Dalton coaster. 
Um, I shouldn't say this too loud because uh, his uh, kid goes to goes to school with my son now. Oh yeah, I guess. Huh. And my wife saw him at school the other day. Hi, Andy. Okay. Just want to say hello in case I run into him on the playground. I don't want to. You know, is that like a red flag that he's got time to be picking up his kid and stuff rather than heading the playbook? Should he not be, you know, watching film and stuff? Did you just make fun of his hair? No. Red flag? No. I wouldn't do that to a ginger person. Hmm. My, there's way too much red in my beard for me to take unnecessary shots That's at ginger true. people. When I heard red flag, I thought it was an implication about his hair. There's his also hair. way too little hair on my head now for me to be taking unnecessary shots at ginger people. Like, at least he's got it there. It may be That's the true. wrong color, but... Well, he's younger than you. But it's still on his head. I mean, you know... That's true. Give the guy some credit. Yeah, so Andy Dalton... Uh, we got- seem to pick good schools. You've got your kid in with Andy Dalton's kid. Yeah. Jonathan Sexton, who oh, you will know, goodness. Steve, as a big rugby fan. You said great player. I didn't know it was Sexton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Sexton's son was in scouts, uh, scouts class at school. Really? Yeah. Wow. We used to see Johnny picking up. Picking That's up his huge. kid. That guy's a legend. Yeah. That guy's a legend. I, I mean, big so part somehow, of our baseball rugby podcast. Yeah. So somehow we uh, we seem to pick quite good schools for our offspring. We do. We certainly do. Um, Andy had a rough game, though, on Sunday night against the Chiefs. He's uh, He's been pretty good for most of the game, most of the year, but he's kind of, he's back at the bottom of the coaster right now. So yeah. we'll expect a, a bounce back this week against the Tampa Bay Bucks with the <laughs> eternal in-game Dalton Coaster, Mr. Jameis Winston, of course. The in-game Dalton Coaster of Jameis Winston. Because yeah. as much as we joke about Jameis Winston being a roller coaster, his grades for the last three years are like eerily consistent. Which is the same as Dalton, right? That's how he got the thing. Is Right, it like lands it pretty good. He was like landing at the same number every single year, but if you looked at his game-by-game grade, it was literally a roller coaster ride. Yeah, that's just how you get there. So yeah, really, I mean, Jameis is the, the heir apparent to the Dalton Coaster. Yeah, so it should be a fun one. It, this feels like one of those games that'll be... 3.45 p.m., you know, a crazy game. It's going to be one of those that Red Zone's on for a while, is what I think. Okay. That's my prediction. It's right. going to be, I think it's going to be a crazy one. Jameis, Andy Dalton, we're all taking the Cincinnati Bengals here, but what, anything you're watching particular in this game? No, not specifically. I like your Dalton Coaster versus Jameis Coaster. I think that's going to be fun. Just which one? and how, That's just chaos right there. So the best part about this is our one of our video producers, Mike Quinn, from the Cincinnati here. He's a Bengals fan. Oh, he'll be in. So this, you'll yeah, be yeah. listening. He'll be producing Sky Sports this week, and you'll be hearing the coasters, both of them back and forth as he screams at his computer or the TV or whatever, however he's consuming the game. Yeah, for our Sky setup, we typically have – we've got at least two TVs in the main kind of – I don't know what we call that, lounge, foyer, whatever that. I call it the green room. It's our green In room. the green room. Um, and what? we're typically watching the games there. We've got the Sky game that we have to talk about on the big screen. We've got Red Zone off on the left. We've started to bring in a third TV and have another game over there. It's typically the Baker game, you know, because PFF. Ah. PFF needs to see how Baker's getting have on. Have to watch Baker. Um, but before we did that, we had that other TV in the main office. <laughs> At one point, Mike had just gone and sequestered himself in that office to watch the Bengals game. And all you could hear coming out of there was just like her screaming abuse at the TV and swear <laughs> words flying at it every now and again. It was pretty funny to listen to. Well, I'm predicting more of the same. Okay, fair enough. On Sunday. Yeah. So get ready for it. We're all taking the Bengals in this one. Uh, next game to break down, Denver Broncos at the Kansas City Chiefs. I'll be watching this Denver defense. They slowed Kansas City a little bit the first time. Mahomes had only a 78.5 passing grade. And I think more importantly, average depth of target was 7.2. So... They slowed him down a touch, kept him in the pocket a little bit more than others, made him go through reads, and he looked a tick slow at times. And this is where we are in Patrick Mahomes' game. We're picking little games, little sequences where, you know, he looked human and saying, <laughs> hey, let's go back to that point and see if Denver can duplicate it. Anytime you can force a guy into a left-handed throw, you're doing something right. Or okay, are you? Because he, he completed it, but still. Yeah, he's still I'm just saying, awesome. it's one of those things, like pressure, right? Not every single pressure play. It's going to be a positive one for the defense because the guy can still throw a touchdown. But over time, it's going to work out. Yeah, if, if you, you can force consistently force a bunch of left-handed throws, you're going to end up pretty okay on defense. So ironically, that was the same strategy the teams used against Tim Tebow. Hmm. Yeah. Force him into left-handed throws. Yeah. I can see that. The thing I'm watching for is Von Miller against Mitchell Schwartz 2. Oh, hey. The return. Much like UFC, you know, it's like X versus Y 2. Three. They just name it by the, you know, it's ridiculous. Anyway, Von Miller versus Mitchell Schwartz, two. Two this year. It's probably Mitchell like Schwartz, a friend of the show, time. Mitchell. 
Yeah, it's probably like eight over time. I don't know how many times they've played. It's got to be a lot, right? Mitchell's won a lot. He has. That's the interesting thing about this is Von Miller is arguably the best pure pass rusher in the NFL and has been pretty much for the duration of his career. But Mitchell Schwartz has a history of shutting him down. And his worst grade this season, Von Miller, that is, came against Mitchell Schwartz. He didn't get a sack in that game, had uh, two hits in a hurry, but I don't think any of them came against against Mitchell Schwartz. Maybe one did late in the game. Um, but read Von Miller's last week. Because I don't, I don't want to make an accusation against Von Miller since he's already been nailed for uh, PEDs before. Two sacks, three hits, and five hurries? Yeah, he just looked like he was playing it. He looked like he, he was rejuvenated. Last Thursday night. Well, yeah, going up against Cardinals, we'll do that to you. Not just that, though. Even just the way he was moving and bending and getting around the edge and stuff like that. Forget the fact that he was going against the worst offensive line in the league. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about going from the best right tackle in the league to the worst offensive line in the league. I get it. I mean, Andre Smith against Von Miller. I mean, you know, Andre Andre Smith is the same guy that turned up to his, you know, pre-draft workouts looking like the Michelin man jogging down a 40. Like, he has... I mean, he's the same jiggly, large, wobbling mess at right tackle trying to block Von Miller. I understand. Yeah. I'm just saying Von still looked very good no matter what you've been going up against the... uh, (laughs) I'm just saying... Whatever you just described. (laughs) This is one of the more fascinating one-on-one matchups of the week. It's arguably the best right tackle in the game against arguably the best pass rusher in the game. And so far, we've said this before that... When in one-on-one pass rushing blocking terms, when the irresistible force meets the immovable object, mm-hmm. typically the immovable object wins, right? Um, the only exception that really is when you're facing Aaron Donald. But, um, but so far, that's exactly what we've seen. Schwartz has won when they, those two have gone one-on-one for, for a game. So that's a good matchup to watch for sure. Uh, Schwartz having another good year, and Mahomes still... Even when he is pressured, lowest sack rate in the NFL when pressured. It's another, you know, feather in his cap in this in this really good season that he's having. Uh, we're all taking Kansas City, yeah, in this one against the Broncos. Kansas City again at home in this one. Uh, we've got the Cleveland Browns at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Another rematch within the division. Uh, feels like a lot of these a lot of these teams are getting their two games out of the way in the first half of the season. This is the second time they've played now. Yeah, tied. You seem oddly surprised by that. You were surprised by it earlier in the week, and you're still shocked by the idea that some of these teams are already playing the second yeah, division. Yeah, because it's usually well spread out. Because the NFL did a really good job of saying... Is it, though? Like, last year, a whole ton of them played in the well, last four weeks of the season. Last just, year, the issue was you always you had a bunch of teams that would play two out of three weeks. That happened a lot last year. But it also year. happened late. So you didn't... I mean, you know... But what, well, hap- what, what has happened in recent years, because you almost always play two division games to end the season... Yeah. Then they're, that they're usually that the third team that you have to play in your division is usually much more spread out. So the fact that these two teams have now, like the Browns and Steelers are playing each, like the Browns haven't played the Bengals yet, right? Right. So they're going to have both of their games against the Steelers done, and they still have to play their two games against the Bengals. Uh huh. That's odd. That's an oddity. Okay. It's we're eight weeks into the season, and the Broncos and Chiefs are having their final game, and the Browns and Steelers are having their final game. I- and the, like the Chiefs haven't even played the Raiders yet, right. and they got both of their games against the Broncos done. I'm just not entirely sure why this is short circuiting your brain. It's not short circuiting. It's just oh look, that's you know we're already done with your uh, I mean, with your division rival. Eight weeks into the season, how the schedule works. Not always. This is odd. Okay, it's very odd. Is it happening to anyone else? Oh God. Anyway, just looking at the schedule this week. As always, Niners Cardinals. Yeah, done. That was the they're just that, done for the season. That was the thing that set you off earlier. God, I was hoping you didn't see that again. Anyway, there's three games driving me. What, nuts. Do I, what, what do I have to give you to move on? From Antonio this? Brown versus Denzel Ward is there what I want to watch in this okay, one. Okay, perfect. Um, always, it's always the Baker show. As far as I'm concerned, I don't care about anything else other than how Baker performs. Um, and he's you know slipped since that fantastic start, but not as much as the stats would suggest. Like last week, he played bad for a large period of that game, but then actually started to come good towards the end until that ridiculous fourth down turnover mess where he fumbled the ball when he should have just had the first down. That was ugly. But I think Baker's still playing, you know, better than the numbers would suggest. He's getting screwed by a combination of drops and um, play calling, particularly on second and long. Zach pulled out a stat that he tweeted the other day that was 
you know, teams that have faced third and long the most, and I think the Browns are right up there, if not the most, and they're in the top three somewhere. Yeah, most so, by far. Yeah, I mean, he's just not being helped out by a bunch of factors, so I think all in all, he's still playing pretty well. When is Higgins back? Is Higgins back yet? I don't know. I didn't check. <laughs> Do I need to give you time to check now? Well, I'm, I'm going to check anyway. You can cover it or not. I, I'm, yeah, he's expected to play this week, so that changes everything. Oh, God. Is it too late to change my pick? Yes. Yes, okay. it is. All right, that's fine. We'll leave it there. There's, there's obviously an asterisk there now. Anyway, we get the pleasure of watching Denzel Ward I'm cover Higgins. Antonio Brown. We, I mean, Ward gets to cover. Think about this. Ward has to cover Higgins, and he just... When you have to cover Higgins at practice all the time. Right, everything else seems easy to you. Exactly. Especially going up against Antonio Brown. Yeah. So I can only imagine. I mean, Antonio Brown, A.J. Green, you know, it's, it's not a challenge anymore. In the first matchup, Antonio Brown, 5 of 7 against Denzel Ward for 50 yards. Had a touchdown in a contested situation. There was also an interception and a pass breakup that went Denzel Ward's way. That stat line is one of those. And the interception, it's not on the receiver 99% of the time. But that stat line is just like the stat line of just a really good matchup. Yeah, and the t- you know, some wins for Ward, some wins for Brown. On the touchdown, he was in really tight coverage. Like he was. Antonio Brown just made that play. That was just is, Brown being right, which awesome. is going to happen. But I think it's important that guys are in tight coverage when those things happen because it's again, it's it's over the the over the long haul that that is indicative of some things. If you have a guy who very rarely is allowing separation you are going to be making more plays than not you're going to start you're going to you're not going to give up as many plays because the windows are tighter so even though ward was beat by antonio brown he was keeping him honest at least it's one of those plays that we call 50 50 yeah that's not. that's really 20 80 yeah it's like an 18 to 20 percent win percentage for the offense again which shows how good antonio brown is we are all taking pittsburgh in this one pittsburgh at home and, and them getting back on track all right, into our biggest mismatch of the week. Are we calling this the entire game a mismatch, or did you have something specific here in the New England Patriots at Buffalo Bills game? Honestly, I went with just the entire game because it, it's it's comical. But you can <laughs> you can isolate it to the quarterback if you like. Uh, you know the the Buffalo Bills quarterback situation is not good. Derek Anderson. Um, yeah, and like Derek Anderson played terribly. And yet they were probably still vindicated for starting him over Nathan Peterman. That's how bad Peterman has been forever. Yeah, the Bills offense is in a special level of bad. I will say on the other side of the ball, the Bills defense still has a chance to just kind of make it interesting. Yeah. Uh, they've got the, the pieces there and the scheme to maybe slow down the Patriots a little bit, but the Patriots should should handle them pretty well. Yes. I mean, we're all the, taking New England. The line in that game is like 14 points or something crazy. Yeah. We're yeah. all taking New England. Yeah. There we go. Let's move on to probably the game of the week. Green Bay Packers at the Los Angeles Rams. This should be a fun one. Aaron Rodgers, just Mr. Awesome on third down this year. Jared Goff, number three quarterback in PFF grades. Should be a fun one. So the Rams offense is an absolute juggernaut. It's much like the Chiefs, but for a slightly different set of reasons. Um, I think this Rams offense is amazing at scheming guys to favorable matchups that they're going to win. So you, you look at that Vikings game as the best example of that. They were able to almost at will put Anthony Barr covering a guy he had no ability to cover basically every time they wanted to do it. Yeah. Um, and Anthony Barr ended up giving up three touchdowns because of that. And they were, you know, you, you can't even hate on the guy too much for it because he's trying to run with Cooper Cup across the field deep down. I mean, it's just not going to happen, right? So it's not really Anthony Barr's fault. It's the fact that Sean McVay is able to scheme up these plays. Then you have uh, you have Jared Goff playing out of his mind, adding value on the top of this scheme, what the throws it's giving him. You have the talent in the receiving core. You have Todd Gurley adding value to the top end of this, which is everything else is working great anyway. Wait. But now you've got Gurley making things happen. Did you say Todd Gurley's adding value? Yes. Or he's the most valuable player in the NFL? I said adding value. That is all a running back can do these days. He's getting MVP hype. Well, that's silly. And okay. we don't talk about MVP on this show, okay, Steve, great. so stop doing it. So Todd Gurley is adding value to the top end of this. You've got the offensive line playing. No, he's adding significant value, right? But that's all he can do is add value on top of something that's already great. All a running back can do in today's NFL is stand on the shoulders of giants. He cannot actually be the giant himself. He can only stand on the shoulders of really tall people and make things happen that way. Thank you. Anyway. I like how um, our lead analyst, Ben Stockwell, calls running what he calls running backs. Which is? Just the stat collector. 
the stat collector while the offensive line's doing all the dirty work. Yeah, I mean, I think there's more to it than that. Slightly, but I like my analogy better. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna put that out there. Standing on my shoulders, not your shoulders. Giant Steve, not just freakishly tall. A former people. giant of San Francisco. That doesn't count. They cut me. Anyway, so the Rams have this juggernaut of an offense. <laughs> the Packers have Aaron Rodgers. Um, and Aaron Rodgers is good enough that on his best day, he can keep pace with a freaky juggernaut of an offense where everything is great. But that's basically what needs to happen in this game for them to win is Aaron Rodgers needs to play out of his freaking mind because... The Rams' offense is almost unstoppable. I have a few numbers that I think kind of... You did a really good job of setting up what's happening in this game. A few numbers to maybe back up your point here. Mm -hmm. You look at Jared Goff's grade on first and second down. It's 93.1 in the PFF system, 0-100 to system, number two in the NFL. There's another fascinating stat there as well that I haven't updated after this week, but heading into last week's games, as far as listen to the scenario, using hurry up, no huddle offense, Mm-hmm. on first or second down, and using play action. Right. The Rams, in those situations, had like 33 attempts. The next closest team had nine, meaning they are using hurry up, getting up to the line, play action, and taking shots, and they had 33 attempts. No one else was even close. And it's just their way of keeping the defense off balance. So if we're looking at, and Goff has this great grade on first and second down, so if you look at how the scheme and just like the little nuance that they're adding – is just putting their guys in position to succeed. It's just fascinating. They're doing a great job there. Goff, however, his grade drops to 57.2 on third down. That's 27th in the NFL. So I do love Jared Goff. And in great throw for throw, he's been way better this season. But there is something to if you put him into these difficult situations, he's struggled a little bit. He's got a passer rating of just over one inside the opponent's 30. When he's under pressure, he's made some bad decisions. Oh, for one? Just one. Just one. 1.7 or something like that. That's bad. It's a very specific situation. It's inside the 30 under pressure. Yeah. But those are those. That's still a bad number. It's a pretty bad number. Um, Now, Aaron Rodgers, on the other hand, on third down in those tougher situations, leading the league in adjusting completion percentage at 86, passer rating at 114.7, yards per attempt at 9.8. So it just like the, the, the difference between Goff and Rodgers this year Goff, those first and second down plays, you chalk some up to the play calling, the play action, the hurry up, and the different things that they're doing to put him in a position to succeed. And Rodgers just being superhuman on third down in difficult situations after his team's not making it as, e- as easy for him on early downs. Yeah. Pretty good, huh? Yeah, I think that sums it up. The only other kind of um, facet of this game that becomes interesting is, you know, the the... The Rams offense has to deal with the Green Bay Packers defense. It does have some talented players on it and can make life annoying for an offense. The Green Bay Packers offense, and by that I mean Aaron Rodgers, has to deal with Aaron Donald. Yes. And that is just a whole different level of, oh, crap. Here's the other, here's the other stat to sum that up, right? Because we talk about Donald here on the show all the time. Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels interior pass rushers for the Packers. They're both graded in the top 10. Clark is third. Daniels is 10th. As a duo, they have 39 pressures. Mm-hmm. Aaron Donald himself has 47. Ah. So, he's, so he's eight more pressures yeah. than the two guys on the Packers who are top 10 pass rushers at the same position. Combined. Combined. Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah, I mean, I, so I said it before that typically the irresistible object versus the immovable, no, other way around, irresistible force versus the immovable object, the immovable object wins. That isn't true with Aaron Donald. He will get pressure unless you get the ball out before he gets there. Yeah. On basically every single snap. He is going to beat the guy in front of him unless the ball is gone or there's some reason, you know, like it's a, a trick play, it's a misdirection, whatever. There's some reason he can't just go straight from that, to that, that guy to the ball. He's going to beat his guy. It's insane. And he's getting better. That's the freaky thing about Donald is he was already insane and he's getting better. Yeah, his grade's even better than it's been. So it took a while. Years. It took a few years for people to be like, J.J. Watt is a Hall of Fame caliber player. Has anyone even mentioned Aaron Donald in the Hall of Fame in the same sentence? Like, he is arguably better than J.J. Watt ever was at this point. So he's never had that 20... The 20-sack season, right? The 20-sack season. J.J. Watt always had, like, some big statistical milestone. 20 yeah. sacks, 10 batted passes. And then it was funny because the third year of his dominance, I think it was... 
was the year that he just stumbled into like six touchdowns. Yeah. Right? Just happened to have a couple fumble recoveries for touchdowns and caught a couple at tight end. And people were like, wow, J.J. Watt, he's like an MVP. Stepping it up. And we were like, that's his third best season yeah. right now. Donald's never had that. Yes. Where his, every, like three strip sacks are going for touchdowns and different things like that. So maybe that's what the difference. But he's been as good, if not better, than J.J. Watt yeah. on a snap for snap. He doesn't pass. get the boost of playing outside like J.J. Watt did. So he transitioned from this interior guy to a, a, an edge rusher, um, and that gives you an, all, an awful lot more sacks, just as a matter of course. Edge rushers get more sacks than interior players do. But it takes more steps to get there, Sam. It does. Did you see that whole breakdown? Yes. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to say anything more about that because that was on Sunday Night Football. Well... So it's true. It's just still... It, it does take more steps to get there. But it's still harder to get pressure from the interior. Yeah. I mean, it may be a shorter line from one guy to the other, but it's, it's harder. There's not enough space. It's, there's two guys in front of you a lot of the time. Anyway. It's tough. But anyway, playing on the edge gives you more sacks than playing inside. It does. Um, and Donald has never played on the edge, so he's never had that giant boost of sacks that will take him to 20 for where everybody starts going, you know what? This Aaron Donald guy is kind of good. Right. Maybe he is a defensive player of the year MVP. I, I think he still gets the family. recognition he deserves and everything, though, and I think we've been a big part of that, of course. But, you know, he's still up there. Anyway, we got the Rams, except Neil taking the Packers with the upset. <laughs> I think Neil's just chasing underdogs at this point to claw back wins. Strategic move. All right, I keep saying let's fly through. So really going to fly through the Redskins at Giants game. The Giants traded both Eli Apple and Big Snacks Harrison this week. Big Snacks, the best run defender in the entire NFL. So clearly they've got no shot stopping the Redskins and Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson, right. The guy who it turns out was not an inconsequential signing as we thought he might be. Um, I'm kind of impressed by how, not just how Adrian Peterson has been playing, um, but the Redskins are also, they've proven this theory that the Vikings basically didn't think he was capable of playing on third downs at Sam, all. Sam, he still only caught like seven passes. Right, but he's out there just enough that you can that it makes the impact. The fact that he's able to play on third downs. The stat that I came up with that proved this point, right, was that the 2009 NFC Championship game, Adrian Peterson had 1,300 and something rushing yards that season. He had another 185 in the two playoff games. He was the Minnesota Vikings' best player. And yet he played, he played 46 snaps in that championship game, and zero of them were third downs. None. Not a one. When the Vikings were driving late in the game with Brett Favre, who ultimately tossed the ball away to the Saints, Peterson's not on the field. Like, they had their best player and determined that he was not capable of playing in the game's most critical that situations. Now, the Redskins, it's not like they've turned him into a third down back, a guy who is Saquon Barkley and is just getting 15 targets a game, but they're at least capable of putting him on the field in the most critical situations, and sometimes that pays dividends because those eight catches have gone for 18 yards per reception. Like, he's capable of catching a simple dump off and turning it into a positive play. So I think what the Redskins have done and said, you know what, maybe he can't pass block, but he's just, an, he's just good enough as a receiver to be out there. And that allows us to do a bunch more things that if we have to go, no, Adrian Peterson simply can't play on third downs. That's all I'm saying. You know what I think this proves more, though? No. Oh. Alex Smith's just a winner. Okay. Washington's just sitting there at 4-2, and two, quiet 4-2. and two. They lost to New Orleans on Monday Night Football. We thought that counted for three losses. It only counts as one. <laughs> Alex Smith actually has the lowest grade of his career since 2010. I tweeted at somebody today that if you're giving me quarterback wins as a statistic, we can't have a conversation. Oh. I'm going to use that line here. So End podcast. We're done with this one. I've always said, though, I think Alex Smith's ability to just take care of the ball does... There is something to the ability to avoid interceptions and keep your team in the game. Yeah, well, of course And then things is. can go either way. That's, he always seems to win more games than he loses. That's why I'm saying, saying Cody Kessler gives them a greater chance of winning more games, right? This ability to not lose a game if everything else is good is important. It's just that it caps you at how good you are. Right. So we're all taking Washington except Neil. Yeah. Taking the Giants. Again. The uh, Giants who have one win and um, mm. Giants, uh, Neil still takes them every week. I think yeah. that's the difference in Neil's record and the rest of ours. <laughs> it's just the Giants. Literally just the Giants. Let's move on to the Indianapolis Colts at the Oakland Raiders. Fire up the captain, Sam. Cue the music. Dearest mother, I have received your care package of antler bread and fresh squirrel oil. We continue our march to the land of oak. Scouts report the area is vast, but empty. The ground itself black, 
riddled with bones. The seas, silver in color, most disturbing. Andrew. That sounds like a scary mission. Yeah. The Land of Oak. Colts at Raiders. What are you watching? Uh, well, who, I mean, <laughs> the, so the... <laughs> we can go quick on this one. Yeah? Okay. There's no Colts and Oakland Raiders fans that have stuck around for this. Oh, that's handy. Um, I mean, the Raiders... I can tell. I can see our demographic. Traded away everybody. You know, apparently Derek Carr has lost the locker room because he cried. This is why I'm taking Oakland. Because Lee Smith came out, came out and stood up for him and said, we haven't lost the locker room. He hasn't. Okay. He's fine. He wasn't like... He didn't say he was okay with his quarterback crying, just that, just that he still Who cares about still that? support that's him. stupid. I'm, I, I'm, hmm. I, <laughs> Who's that? Florio came up with that? Yeah. 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 Stupid. It wasn't a good look. Now, look, I... I proposed a trade this week. Oh, God, not again. Derek Carr. Yeah. For Jameis Winston, who says no. Mm-hmm. Fresh start for both quarterbacks. Let me just sum it up by this. I don't care about this one specifically. We're at a point in the NFL where I don't think there's like 25 to 28 viable starters in the NFL. Uh-huh. There's only a handful of teams that are truly looking for starters. But there are also situations like maybe Marcus Mariota in Tennessee, maybe Derek Carr in Oakland, maybe Jameis in Tampa Bay where maybe guys just aren't a great fit anymore. Maybe they need a fresh start. They've all proven that they can have success in the league. And maybe it's just fresh start time. But they're, but they're starters. It's not like you know a few years ago where, like, all right, 10 teams are all looking for the next quarterback in the draft. Like, we're, they're all in pretty good spot. Maybe it's time to shuffle things up a little bit. And, you know, three-way trade. Carr goes to Tennessee. Mariota to Tampa Bay. And Winston to Oakland. Oh, God. I just think there might be a few guys that... I need a new look. So your solution to this idea that there's a bunch of starting caliber quarterbacks that are never going to quite take the next step is that like every year or so we just play carousel with them and they just start moving to a new venue? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying maybe Carr, who's shown he can have success, uh-huh. just has to go somewhere else now. It's just not just not happening. I so don't know. What was, your, what was the order of your three-way tie here, or your three-way uh, trade here? If I said Mariota to Tampa Bay. Okay. It's fascinating that it's Mariota and Winston in this, yeah. right? Winston to Oakland uh-huh. and Carr to Tennessee. <laughs> okay. Carr gets a better offensive line that he needs. Yes. Winston gets to be paired with Gruden for whatever that's worth. <laughs> and Mariota, there's no, I'm just throwing stuff out there. All I'm saying is there's a few quarterbacks that are pretty good that might need a change of okay. scenery. Derek Carr might be one of those. You might guys. as well finish that off. What is the what is the benefit to Mariota in, in Tampa Bay? What does he get out of it? Oh, playmakers. He's never had playmakers, playmakers to throw. Okay, he gets playmakers. I thought he had a Hall of Famer right now. Well, he's holding Hall of Famer Corey Davis down, so he can go down there and hold down Mike Evans and hold down Deshaun Jackson, hold down those guys. God, I want to see you try and orchestrate this trade. Well, I really just said Jameis for Carr. Can you initially. be the mediator? Jameis for Carr straight up could be a good one. Can because you the Bucks, the Bucks don't necessarily want to invest in him long term. He's got the the bad history and everything. It seems like the Raiders and Gruden might want to move on from Carr. I'm not going to put any words into anybody's mouth because Lee Smith might come out and say, <laughs> "No way, we like this guy." But you know, it might just be time to, to shuffle things up a little bit. I'd just like to hear you on the phone with an NFL with those three teams on conference call, try and hammer this out. Anyway. Uh, Maurice Hurst is now the highest-graded Oakland Raider, by the way. Hmm. Do you know that on I, defense? I didn't. Disruptive, 78 grade in the run game, 70.2 as a pass rusher is not great. Doesn't have a ton of actual hurries. He has three batted passes, though, and he's won a bunch of uh, plays right off the snap that didn't necessarily go in his pressures. He does look good. It's an awkward one because it's hard to claim victory because, you know, the thing was like a heart condition, and, re- you know, realistically at any point he could just keel over. Yeah, we need to like we need him to get through like three or four years. Yeah, and still right. We, we can't really claim issue. victory until it's like ten years down the line. We're like, see, right. Anyway, that's it. We're not. We're just not going to. Right. Uh, but him going up against Quentin Nelson, who's start. You know, he's improved. Rookie on rookie. It's going to be a good matchup. Yeah. We put way too much into that game. I told you we got to go fast. Well, that's why I'm. That's why I stopped talking. So you can fire through the next games. All right, Seahawks. Okay, I took Oakland. Everybody else took the Colts. Seahawks at the Detroit Lions, who now have big snacks. What you got? They do. They have big snacks, which means they can probably stop the run now. Um, they're actually the defender. They, yeah, that's going to help them stop the run against Seattle. 
Seattle can kind of run the ball. They've got some running backs, although they're not the ones they drafted in the first round. Um, yeah. the, the, the defensive linemen for the Lions have actually been grading pretty well against the run. So you look at their overall run defense, you're like, their linemen must suck. Let's get snacks. Those guys have actually been grading pretty well against the run. It's the linebackers that are terrible. But snacks is so good against the run that there's a bunch of plays that have gotten through to the linebacker level so far they're not going to be getting there anymore because he's going to he's going to kill it at the line of scrimmage so even though those guys have been playing pretty well against the run it's still a massive upgrade because snacks is that freaky it is and the lions get to continue to you know try to win in the trenches run the ball stop the run they continue to build that team snacks is a he's a he's a steal for a fifth round oh absolutely even though he's 29.9 years old steve um, and to he has a big contract. It's still a freaking steal. He is that good against the run. Uh, I took Detroit and you took Detroit. We're playing that, hey, Seattle's on the road deal. Yeah. Uh, a few people did take Seattle, though. Uh, let's move on. Jets at the Chicago Bears. What are you watching at for here? Um, I mean, is Trubisky going to play well at some point? That would be nice. Um, he's... Again, I'm getting sick of this idea of having to like defend the idea that he's not actually playing that well. It's just yeah. annoying. So I mean, look, if you do I take out like the one, play quite well. You sorry, if you take out the one six down, touchdown game, the stats and right. the stats aren't really great. They come back to you a little bit, but, but the still. overall season stats and grade discrepancy is just so massive yeah. right now. It's tough to it is tough to explain. It would also be nice if he just kind of got himself on track a little bit because he, I think there is a lot of talent there. It's just yeah, it's weird I, I kind of like him. He really. I still keep coming back to this whole blitz thing. Yeah. Um, there was a point in the offseason I just watched his playlist on third and long and how teams attacked him against the blitz, and you could tell, you could see the confusion. And uh, it's the same in UNC. It's the same this year. He does need better pre-snap recognition. We talked to Zach Robinson about this all the time. Just seems a tick slow, and that does affect your, affects your confidence and it affects your ability to just step into throws, throw accurately, make right decisions, and it's where he needs to improve. The Jets quietly have a really good coverage unit, coverage grade, and they've just the same thing I've described the Bills as. It's because oh. they drafted all the corners I liked. Oh, is that why? Daryl Roberts, Harry Nickerson, all my guys. So there you go. Now, admittedly, I, don't, I can't reclaim Claiborne, but still. You'll be watching those guys. We're all taking the Chicago Bears here. I like this next one because it's the final game we're going to talk about for a reason. Um, and what you said for what you wanted to watch in this game was? Uh, nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Um, the 49ers against the Cardinals, the rematch, which is already fritzing Steve's brain out. I want to watch veteran Mike McGlinchey before he has to retire. <laughs> I just want to watch every snap of his before watch it's time to Farewell tour. Yeah. <laughs> farewell rookie season. That's what, that's what we're going to stick with. <laughs> I want to watch the great Bobby Slowick and his uh, defensive quality control okay. work. I want to watch McGlinchey's retirement tour. <laughs> And I want to watch Josh Rosen hopefully not get killed. Yeah, there's something to that offensive line in terms of car crash TV that's worth watching every week, but that's about it. There's four teams that have allowed over 100 pressures yeah. on the offensive line. The Minnesota Vikings, Texans, Houston Texans, Cardinals, and Cardinals. who's the fourth? I don't know the fourth. The Giants. Ah, the Giants. Okay, so the Cardinals are one of four teams to allow over 100 pressures. Mm-hmm. When you go look at the time to throw stats, though, Snap to release. Watson's among the slowest. Watson's among the slowest, slowest. and it makes sense. Eli Manning and Kirk Cousins, kind of mid-tier, but toward the quickest. But the more fascinating thing is that Josh Rosen and Sam Bradford, the two guys playing behind the Cardinals offensive line, are both top four getting rid of the ball. So they're under 2.4. So they are actually doing what they can to protect the offensive line. Still getting killed. And it's still one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. Yeah. And yet, for some reason, you've taken the Cardinals. Well, yeah, they beat the Niners a couple weeks ago. They're at home. Yeah, and there's no way that's happening again. C.J. Beathard versus Josh Rosen. Well, at some point, Beathard and the 49ers are going to stop turning the ball over 58 times a game, and they'll you know True. win when that happens. They play some sneaky good games at times, and they could still scheme it up on offense. So I'm taking the Cardinals. You're taking the Niners. Yeah. And that's it. That's week eight. We didn't miss any games this week? No, I think, we, I think we covered everything. Right, anything grind your gears? It's on the well, list. Just a, nothing in there. It is, yeah. We didn't really... Just a uh, sleep deprivation at this point. You've had a rough week, huh? I've had a sick kid for the best part of a week. Yeah. And, you know, you can go a few nights without sleeping or, well, getting woken up multiple times in the night. But when you're old, like us, yeah, and then you get to like a week, you're like, I'm just losing the will to go on at this point. I was driving in this morning. It was like half seven. It felt like 4 a.m. That's 7.30, by the way. For those, uh, yeah, it's like know. that's hard to work out. Anyway, half seven, right? Half past seven. Yeah, half of the hour, 
past seven. It sounds like you're saying three and a half. Half seven is three and a half. No, look, anyway. It was 7.30, and it felt like 4 a.m. Uh, Just trying to help the Americans out there. I think I think you're doing them a disservice, Steve. I think they're smart enough to figure out what that is. Yeah, so, well, it's almost half three. got to get out of here. Yeah. Well, good stuff, Sam. Sorry about the uh, sleep deprivation. Hopefully, mm. Scout Scout's had a rough month. She has, yeah. Broken arm, uh, bladder infection. It's not, it's not a good time. Hope she starts feeling better. Uh, thanks to everybody for tuning in. Special thanks to all of our sponsors. And you guys enjoy Week 8 NFL action. And we'll talk to you guys again next week, Monday, as we review every single game from the weekend. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did go check out kyler murray and his nfl debut that's my favorite thing about nfl game pass you can go back and watch at any time and if you haven't watched a condensed game yet you have to try it out it's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire nfl game in the fraction of the time it normally takes it's how i'm able to follow all the mvp candidates all the breakout stars and of course your waiver wire pickups all season long to see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at nfl.com slash pro football focus NFL.